Welcome everyone. You're tuned in to the Word of Life Radio Bible Study. We're glad that you've joined us for our study of God's Word this morning. Sing them over again to me. Good morning and welcome to the Word of Life Radio Bible Class brought to you by the Southwest Church of Christ. We invite you to come and study God's Word with us today when we meet for Bible classes at 9.30 a.m., our morning worship at 10.30 and 6 o'clock p.m. for our evening worship. You are cordially invited to attend any and all of these service times. You can write or call us to receive a copy of this broadcast on tape or CD. Our contact information is 89 800 Manchac Road, Austin, Texas, 78748, and our phone number is 512-282-2486. You can also access this and other broadcasts at our website, www.swcfc.org. And now your host, Don Walker. Welcome back, everyone. We're glad that you joined us, and this morning we have with us Brother Clay Bond. Clay is a graduate of the Southwest School of Bible Studies, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ here in South Austin. He's currently preaching at the Midtown Church of Christ in Victoria, Texas, and this morning he's joined us, and he's going to lead our mind in study concerning the topic of baptism. Clay, it's good to have you with us this morning. Don, thank you for having me. We are so glad that you have tuned in this morning to study God's Word with us. Let me encourage you to get your Bible, paper, and pen as we look into God's Holy Word. This morning we want to consider what God's Word says about baptism. Before we consider what the Bible has to say about baptism, I would like to ask you to write down your answers to the following ten questions. Number one, have you been baptized? Yes or no? Number two, what was the mode of your baptism? Sprinkling? Pouring? Immersion? Number three, were you baptized as an infant or as one who was mature? Number four, when were you saved? Before baptism or after baptism? Number five, what was the purpose of your baptism? Was it a symbol that you were saved? Were you baptized to please your parents or friends? Were you baptized for the remission of your sins? Was your baptism an outward sign of an inward faith? Were you baptized to be added to the church? Were you baptized to be saved? Or maybe you simply don't know why you were baptized. Number six, when were you taught the gospel? Before baptism or after baptism? Number seven, when you were baptized, did you understand the imagery of baptism? In other words, did you understand that you were reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yes or no? Number eight, when did you repent of sin? Before baptism or after baptism? Number nine, when did you verbally confess that Jesus is the Son of God? Before baptism or after baptism? And then number ten, what is the name of the church into which you were baptized? Now let's see what the Bible has to say about baptism. And let me encourage you to compare your answers to what we find in the Scriptures. First of all, according to the Scriptures, baptism is a command. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He also taught in John chapter 3, verse 5, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
We can see from the words of Jesus that baptism is not an option. It is a command. If we want to be saved, we must be obedient to the commands of Jesus. We learn in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. As you consider the apostles' doctrine, they never presented baptism as an option. When Peter preached the gospel to Cornelius and other Gentiles, it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 48, He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Friends, according to the Scriptures, baptism is a command. Notice point number two. According to the Scriptures, baptism is a burial. Maybe you're wondering if it really matters how one is baptized and whether the water is sprinkled or poured or we are immersed in it. Yes, it does matter. If we're going to be obedient to God's command to be baptized, then we will do exactly what God says to do in the way He says to do it. Baptism by its very nature is a burial. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says that we are buried with Christ in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. If it really doesn't matter how a person is baptized, why did Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch stop the chariot and go down into the water as recorded in Acts 8, verse 36 and 37? I would suggest that both Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch understood from the scriptures that baptism is an immersion. It is sad to see so many denominational churches adopting the practices of sprinkling or pouring as forms of baptism when nowhere in the scriptures are these practices connected with baptism. These forms, some call baptism, are not found in authentic Christianity. Notice point number three. According to the scriptures, baptism is for sinners. Those who heard the gospel on Pentecost were pricked in the heart and were told to repent and to be baptized in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. They were to make up their minds to turn from sin before being baptized. We also see in Acts chapter 22 verse 16 that Ananias told Saul of Tarsus to arise and to be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And then in Revelation 1 verse 5, the apostle John was speaking about Jesus when he said unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. From these three passages, we learn in baptism, a person's sins are being washed away by the blood of Jesus. Baptism is for sinners. There is something else that we need to understand about sin. Sin is something we commit. It is not something we inherit. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, John says, For whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of God's law. Again, sin is something we commit. It is not something we inherit. With that said, Babies are not born sinners like so many in the religious world teach. In fact, those who practice infant baptism believe that we ultimately inherit Adam's sin. Therefore, when we come into this world, we do so totally depraved and need to be cleansed. Friends, that is not what the Bible teaches. Long ago, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29, 
Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. In Isaiah chapter 53, we see the prophet Isaiah was predicting the sacrifice of Jesus. And in that prophecy, he was explaining why Jesus Christ would have to be that sacrificial lamb who would take away the sins of the world. And listen to what he says in Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're not born astray, but all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Children are born into this world innocent and upright. They don't need to repent and to be baptized. Baptism is for those who have the mental capacity to reason and to understand the difference between right and wrong. Notice point number four. According to the scriptures, baptism is for salvation. In other words, a person cannot be saved before baptism. If you believe that you were saved before baptism, you have misunderstood the purpose of baptism. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, Peter says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, those who heard the gospel on the day of Pentecost were exhorted to save themselves from this untoward generation. In chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. In Acts chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, we see the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. And as you think about the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, let me ask you an important question. When did the Ethiopian eunuch go away rejoicing? Did he go away rejoicing at the point of believing in Jesus? Or did he go away rejoicing after he was baptized into Jesus Christ? If you will go and read the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, you will see that after he was baptized, he went on his way rejoicing. In order for a person to be saved, they must be baptized. Yet so many in the religious world teach that salvation comes at the point of belief. They would declare that all you have to do is believe in Jesus, accept Him into your heart as your personal Savior, and you'll be saved. However, According to the scriptures, salvation does not take place at the point of belief. Let me encourage you to write down these three passages. John chapter 1 verse 12, John chapter 2 verse 24, and John chapter 3 verse 5. In John chapter 1 verse 12, we learn that those who believe in Jesus have the power to become the sons of God. And then in John chapter 2 verse 24 we see that many believed in His name when they saw the miracles which Jesus Christ did. But you see, belief wasn't enough. Jesus, in the very next chapter, in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, taught Nicodemus that a man must be born again. He says, except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Those who believe in Jesus have the power to be saved by being baptized into Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. He that believeth 
and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Baptism is a command. Baptism is a burial. Baptism is for sinners. Baptism is for salvation. Notice point number five. According to the scriptures, baptism is for the remission of sins. Baptism is not a symbol that you are saved, nor is it an outward sign of an inward faith. According to the scriptures, baptism is for the remission of sins. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter told those on the day of Pentecost to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Another interesting verse is found in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Paul said, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Before you can be scripturally baptized, we must know why we are baptized and understand what is taking place. We need to understand that when we are baptized into Christ, our sins are being washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is what God has promised to do if we will comply with His command to be baptized. Again, Paul said in Colossians 2 verse 12, We are buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation or the working of God who hath raised Him from the dead. You see, in baptism, we are putting our faith in the working, in the operation of God. There is a sense where God is operating on us spiritually, when, operating on us spiritually speaking, when we are baptized. God can take one who is dead in sin and make them alive in Christ when they are baptized for the remission of their sins. Number six, according to the scriptures, Baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 18, verse 8, it says, The Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, records what they heard. They heard the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when the Corinthians were baptized... They were reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You see, that's what it means to obey the gospel or that form of doctrine. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Again, that form of doctrine is the death, burial, and resurrection, and we obey it in form. In the same chapter of Romans chapter 6, we see how they obeyed that form of doctrine. Verses 3 and 4, Paul says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him, notice, by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Number seven, according to the scriptures, there are prerequisites to baptism. In other words, baptism alone will not save a person. In fact, nothing alone will save a person. 
God's grace alone does not save. Faith alone does not save. There are things one must do before they can be scripturally baptized. For example, before we can be baptized, we must first hear the gospel. How are people going to call upon the name of the Lord, which is equivalent to obeying the Lord, if they don't hear the gospel? In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, Paul says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Before we can be baptized, we must hear the gospel, but we also must believe the gospel. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, again Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. What did Jesus say that we have to believe? We have to believe the gospel. We must hear the gospel. We must believe the gospel. But we must also repent of our sins before we are baptized into Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, those on the day of Pentecost were told to repent and to be baptized. Repentance is not an option. It is a command. Jesus said in Luke 13 verse 3. Except a man repent. He shall likewise also perish. In Acts chapter 17 verse 30. The scriptures teach that the time of this ignorance. God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Repentance is a change of mind. That results in a change of lifestyle. And we see from the scriptures that repentance comes before baptism. A person must hear the gospel. They must believe the gospel. They must repent of their sins. And before a person is baptized, they must be willing to verbally confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, as we see in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And that's what the Ethiopian eunuch does in Acts chapter 8. Verse 37, he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, dear friend, it is really a culmination of God's love and grace and our obedience working together to bring about our salvation. You see, God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't look at the color of a person's skin. He looks at the person's heart. And he welcomes every person who is willing to work righteousness, as we see in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35. And then finally, number eight, according to the scriptures, baptism translates us into the kingdom of God's dear son. According to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, when we are baptized into Christ, we are delivered from the power of darkness and were translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. We also read in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it doesn't say those who were baptized were added to the Baptist church or to the Catholic church or to the Methodist church or to the Lutheran church or to any other denominational church. Denominationalism, as we know it, didn't even exist 
at that time. No, it says those who received the word and were baptized were added to Christ's church, the Lord's church, the church that we read about in the New Testament, the church which Jesus promised to build in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 19, that was established on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Listen very carefully. When a person obeys the gospel, the truth of God's word, they become a Christian. Nothing more, nothing less. They become a member of the Lord's church. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. A good question to ask from this verse is, what is the body? In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, we learn that the church is the body of Christ. And then later on in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, Paul says there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Notice what the Apostle Paul is teaching from these verses. There is one faith revealed by the one Spirit, which produces one hope, the hope of salvation for those who have entered the one body, the one church of Jesus Christ our Lord, by the one baptism commanded by our Father God. In simple cornbread terms, a person must understand the distinct nature of the Lord's church before they can be scripturally baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins. Maybe you're wondering why this is so important. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24, Paul says, Then cometh the end. He's talking about the end of time. When Christ returns again, to judge the world. And we also learn in that verse that when Christ comes again to judge the, wor- the world, that Jesus Christ will deliver up the kingdom to His Father. This passage teaches that at the end, Jesus Christ will deliver up the kingdom. He will deliver up the church to His heavenly Father. If we want to go to heaven... We must be a part of the kingdom of God and we become a citizen of God's kingdom by being baptized into Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, we learn that salvation is in Christ. But how do we get into Christ? In Galatians 3, verse 27, Paul says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And so from our study of God's Word, we can see that baptism is a command of God. Baptism is a burial. Baptism is for sinners. Baptism is for salvation. Baptism is for the remission of sins. Baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is how we get into Christ and into His church where we are saved. The first question of our survey asked, Have you been baptized? Having examined what God's Word reveals about baptism, 
let us each ask ourselves, have I, been, have I scripturally been baptized? If your answer is no, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Thank you, Clay. And again, it's good to have you with us. And what a great topic you've uh, chosen to study with us. It's a topic of great controversy in Christendom. And many who claim to be Christ's claim that they tasted salvation before they had been born again, before they had been immersed in water for the remission of sins. It's sad and it's tragic and really it's hard to understand because the Bible is so clear concerning how important baptism is for years in my salvation. It's the means by which we enter into the body of Christ. It's the time in which we contact that blood of Jesus Christ and are cleansed from our sins. And so we're able to, as you said, to rise up and walk in newness of life, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. I mean, the Bible is clear. It's plain. Baptism doth also now save us, as we see in 1 Peter 3, in verse 21. This may be a controversial topic for you. And if you desire to listen to this lesson again, to study it, to see what the Bible says, compare what has been taught with what is taught in your Bible, We'll be glad to provide you a copy of this lesson. We'll do it free of charge. There'll be no obligation at all. All you'll need to do is contact us and let us know that you want a copy of today's lesson. That's true with any lesson that you have heard on this program. If you want a copy of past lessons, just let us know what you want. We'll provide it for you. There'll be no charge, and again, there'll be no obligation. We want to remind you that the church will be gathering this morning for Bible class. And we encourage you to come and worship with us. Our time is gone. Until next week, let's each study our Bibles more and more.